0: What's going on, Football MD fam? Thank you for tuning in to episode 47 of the Football MD Podcast. My name is Michael Bowling, joined as always by my co-host Daniel Ronan, and we're going to switch gears a bit here today. I know over the last two weeks, we've been doing our Under the Microscope series, where we've already taken in-depth looks at the quarterback and running back positions from 2018. I really hope that you guys have been enjoying that, but with the NFL scouting combine taking place this past weekend, and news breaking on which players will or will not be hitting the open market due to their current... Teams deciding whether or not to hit them with the franchise tag. We decided to spend this episode talking about that more relevant news. And we'll get back under the microscope next week to take a look at the wide receiver position from 2018. But with that being said, I'll send it over to Dan to kick us off with free agency.
1: To kick things off, we'll just cover a few of the major storylines that are ever so popular and we know you guys want to hear from what you can expect out of free agency. And the first, if you are following us on Instagram, like you should be, at FootballMDPod. You saw how strong the safety class is for this free agency market. Clinton Dix, Tyron Mathieu, Kenny Vaccaro, Earl Thomas, LaMarcus Joyner, Landon Collins, Adrian Amos, and add Eric Weddle to that list as well. This is an absolutely stacked class. You got veterans, you got young talent, you got production, you have free safety, strong safeties. You really have it all in this class. So, a couple of questions come to my mind, so let me ask you the first. Do you think this is showing a devalu- devaluization of the safety position? Teams are obviously letting their safeties just walk in free agency.
0: Yeah. I mean, I really don't have the reason for it per se, but I think when you have this many stud players, like I'd be happy if any one of those guys went to my team. So I think when you have this many stud players at the same position and their teams are just letting them walk, hit the open market and move on to other destinations, I think there's definitely a devaluation. Again, I said, I don't know the exact reason why, but that definitely seems to be the issue going on here.
1: Yeah. And they play an important role to defenses. So I can only imagine that It's not so much the position as it is there's plenty of talent to go around. Otherwise, a vast majority of these guys can be expecting a ton of money coming their way in free agency. The next storyline that we're going to follow up with is the oh so popular Pittsburgh Steelers and what's going on with them. I broke it down into three facets pretty much and it's the Le'Veon Bell saga. It's the Antonio Brown saga and then because we are so sure that these two guys are leaving, it's... What's the new look Steelers? How are they going to perform and what are they going to look like? I'll start with the Steelers. And the most important note for the Steelers is they really just shouldn't panic. They can look towards free agency and the draft to find help at the abandoned positions and at more cost efficient prices than Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. But they don't want to panic because they already have themselves set up in solid position with the talent set to take, take over. James Conner at running back, and Juju Smith at wide receiver, both of these guys proved it this year that they can handle themselves in this league, which means they're not drafting or looking for, in free agency, a number one at that position. They're comfortable there. They're looking for complementary pieces and developmental prospects who maybe could be a top-tier wide receiver one day or a we, top-tier running back, back one day. the Steelers day.
0: talent yeah. at drafting wide receivers. I mean, they are, they still have James Washington waiting in the wing, so who knows what they're going to be working with him in the offseason and how he's going to look in 2019. So I think with Schuster heading that group, I think that wide receiver core is going to be fine.
1: I could not agree more, Mike. And that's why people are so attracted to looking at Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. It's the money. It's the fame. It's how good they are. We're pretty sure that the Steelers are going to be okay. But as for Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, we haven't really talked too much about where they might go, this and that. Well, now that it is quickly approaching, we're going to dive into that a little bit. And the top two teams most likely to sign these guys have to be the Jets and the Colts. And it's because both teams could really use help at skill positions. Yes, the Colts have T.Y. Hillen, but every team can benefit from more than one wide receiver on the field. And yes, Marlon Mack looks the part of a Good NFL running back. I love his style, but Le'Veon Bell would probably be an upgrade. And with the amount of cap space they have, I think you consider the move just based on his talent alone. And as obviously with the Jets, the cap space and not really having any number one wide receiver, number one running back, dominant workhorse running back that you'd be confident in. So it just the fit and and like I said, the salary cap. Both of these teams are the only two teams with over $100 million in space. They have the money to spend. Why not spend it on some studs? Especially for a team like the Colts, who one or two more pieces, and they could have been much further this season after an already successful season. So it makes a lot of sense for the Colts.
0: Yeah, and then next up, I have two teams that I think are a little bit less likely. The first one being the Oakland Raiders. And that's just because Le'Veon Bell seems like the exact kind of splash signing that John Gruden would go for, especially without a true workhorse back on the roster to play that type of old school football that we all know he wants to play. And the next team is the Baltimore Ravens. We spoke about this a bit on our early free agency breakdown episode, so definitely go back and check that out. But I do think that Bell would be a great option in the short passing game for Lamar Jackson to help them create some explosive plays, an area where they really lacked in 2018. I think they were in the bottom 10 in the league, so. An explosive player like Bell could definitely help turn that aspect of their game around. And now will bring us right into Antonio Brown. And there's three teams that I could really see him going to. Of course, the favorite is the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, their best pass catcher in 2018 was their tight end, George Kittle, who is a great player, but none of their other options in the passing game looked very impressive. So I think giving Jimmy Garoppolo a player like Antonio Brown to throw to could really bring some great things to San Francisco. The next team I'm looking at here is the Arizona Cardinals. And I know that Josh Rosen wasn't impressive by any stretch of the word in 2018, but I don't think he was set up for success either. Larry Fitzgerald led the team with six receiving touchdowns, and the rest of the team combined for just nine. So especially with Fitzgerald leaving the team sooner rather than later, I think signing a new dominant number one receiver would be a good move for the Arizona Cardinals future. And the final team that I have is the Green Bay Packers, because maybe I'm just being a little bit fantasy greedy here, but who would not love to see Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to Antonio Brown? I think that would be awesome. But for real though, Rodgers and the Packers struggled in 2018 due to every other receiver not named Devontae Adams struggling to get open on a consistent basis. The Packers also have two first round picks this year that I think they could try and exchange for Antonio Brown.
1: No, and that makes a lot of sense. And one thing I just want to note is how you have Antonio Brown, all three fits are in the NFC. I think that's smart because it is going to happen via trade. They're not going to cut him. The Steelers are adamant about that because if they cut him, they're gonna he's going to hurt his cap too much. So they're going to trade him, and if that occurs, they're not going to trade him. Definitely not in the AFC North. I wouldn't put him in the AFC at all. More than likely, they're going to put him in the NFC so they don't have to see him again.
0: Didn't even consider the trading out of conference thing, but I'll I'll definitely take credit for it. Some (laughs) some good picks there.
1: Yeah. The next storyline we're going to talk about in free agency is the free agency quarterbacks. And yeah, the class is not deep this year. There's only two really worth mentioning, I think, but we all love quarterbacks, and the league is based around them so keeping you up to date on what's going on at that position is always important the big name obviously this year is Nick Foles and we all know that he's rumored to be going to the Jacksonville Jaguars but nothing is official until the league year opens and although I like the fit and really anything is an upgrade over Blake Bortles I am not sure that this is the greatest move for the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise Unless they are planning for Foles to be the bridge quarterback and bring along a rookie or young prospect, I don't like the idea of Foles being quote-unquote the guy. Listen, I get he has played some good football as of late, and the Jags are a team built around defense and the run game, so Foles is a good fit being that you won't ask him to do too much, but he's no spring chicken and a long-term option at quarterback should be desired by all franchises, in my opinion. Now, if the team that signs Foles also brings in a rookie this year and or next year, then I can see why and the fit coming together for a good situation for all parties involved.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that's what you're expecting when you sign a guy like Nick Foles, just like I don't think that's what the Broncos were thinking when they signed Joe Flacco. But I definitely agree there. And another team that could be in a similar situation as the Jaguars is the Miami Dolphins. I think they're not sold on Ryan Tannehill. And with a new coaching staff coming in, they could be looking for a new quarterback to bridge that gap for the rookie that I'm assuming, like you said, they'll draft either this year or next year. So Foles could definitely be that guy as well. But our next free agent quarterback is one that I'm a little bit more excited to see where he lands, and that's Teddy Bridgewater. And I'm not going to speculate exactly where he ends up, but it will be interesting to see who signs him and for what role. Are they signing him for a depth signing or a solid number two quarterback, or are they putting everything on the line and signing him to be the starting quarterback for 2019 and possibly beyond? With Bridgewater, I think there are too many uncertainties for us to speculate because with the injury and not really playing significant time since, then evaluating him is going to be very difficult. So we will have to take the wait and see approach with Teddy Bridgewater, but I think it'll be really interesting to see where he ends up. I think the Washington Redskins could be a good fit with Alex Smith and... Who knows what their backup quarterback situation is gonna be? So I think Bridgewater could be a nice gap, and bridge quarterback or not, I think a young quarterback. What is he? 26 years old or something? I that's the type of guy that I wouldn't mind taking onto my team.
1: On the other hand, our last storyline to cover in free agency is the guys who don't have a say. They got franchise tags, and with the franchise tag, just to clarify, players who have been tagged will not be able to test the free agent market, but necessarily don't have to sign the tag either and can choose to hold out for a new contract, which teams and players have until July 15th after tagging a player to negotiate whether the player will sign the tag or get a deal worked out for the upcoming season. If they don't get a deal done by July 15th for the long term, then they have up until the season to sign their contract under the franchise tag for one season. Now we broke the franchise tags down into two parts, who got the tag and who didn't. We'll start out with who got the tag. I'll just list off the names because all these players are really in the same boat. They are the top tier at their positions and some may sign the tag and some may not. But one thing is for sure, the franchise the franchise is tagging these players want to keep them for the long term and will continue to work on a long-term deal. If you tag a player, you have to spend top money at the position on them so they better be worth it production-wise and You better not have an issue with the cap hit because of the talent. That's why only six players got the tag and all of which are deserving. Those six players are Grady Jarrett, Demarcus Lawrence, Jadavion Clowney, D. Ford, Frank Clark, and Robbie Gould.
0: And now we'll get into some of the more exciting guys in free agency that actually will be hitting the open market because their teams did not decide to franchise tag them. And the first is Landon Collins. Probably the number one shock to us about the franchise tag topic is Collins not receiving it. The Giants didn't tag anyone else, so they could have easily done so, and they are rumored to be shopping Olivier Vernon, who carries a high price tag. And if that's the case, why not spend money on the top five safety in the NFL on a solid leader and productive player? Yes, Odell got paid, but Barkley is still on his rookie deal, and Eli will either take a discount or shouldn't be with the team, and a rookie isn't going to demand the salary hit, so I really don't see why the Giants let Collins walk. In my opinion, he was one of their better draft picks in recent memory, but one thing is for sure, the Giants will likely now be looking to fill that void in either free agency or the draft.
1: But moving on from Landon Collins, up next would be Trey Flowers. Not going to elaborate too much on this one. Just because it is the Pats, they constantly let the top tier talent walk from their team or trade it away and continue to have extreme success year in and year out. So this is a very known story. Nothing special going on here. Just keep going on.
0: Yeah, I don't think many people really expected Trey Flowers to be with the Patriots in 2019. It's just what they do. But next up, we have a very shocking no tag, and that is CJ Mosley, mainly because he is absolutely one of the best middle linebackers in today's NFL, and he has been extremely productive for the Ravens and is a difference maker all over the field. No real studs stand out on their whole roster, and Jackson is still on his rookie deal, so the money should have been given to Mosley. I think the Giants and the Ravens regret their decisions the most out of any team deciding not to use the franchise tag on these players
1: yeah and up next is Tyron Mateu can't really be too surprised but Mateu seemed to be exactly what the Texans needed this year adding a veteran presence to the DB group and mentoring a rookie Justin Reed it seemed like a perfect fit and made sense that the Texans would want to keep Mateu after only having him in the building for one season but they had to tag Jadavion Clowney he was the larger priority pun intended and got the tag instead he deserved it and it's unfortunate that you let Tyron walk and test the and test the open market but don't be surprised if Tyron has interest in going back there was a lot of good feelings during that season they had a good season good camaraderie they say that there was a good rapport with him and the franchise and his representation and they did cut a former first round pick Kareem Jackson cornerback so maybe they are trying to free up some cap space to try to bring Tyron Mathieu back into the fold this season, but he did not get the tag, and he will get the chance to test the open market.
0: And the last player that did not receive the franchise tag that we're going to be talking about is Quan Alexander and this one is mainly because of injury concerns, price tag and a regime change. So now one of the Bucks' top players on defense will be testing the open market and this also comes as a surprise because the thought was that the tag will be given to Donovan Smith or Quan Alexander and with Smith getting a deal it seemed fitting that Quan would get that tag but the Bucks opted to
1: not use it at all. No, but I think you nailed the regime change right on the head and before we wrap up free agency and get into the combine recap a couple of final notes on free agency you were just talking about kwan alexander well donovan smith won't make it to free agency agreeing to a three-year 41.25 million dollar deal with 27 million guaranteed Although Smith hasn't been great, he hasn't missed a game in four years, which is rare and valuable at the left tackle spot. Sometimes it's more detrimental to a team to have to piece together an offensive line out of backups and practice squad guys than actually having a middle-of-the-road, consistent blocker who's there every game. You know, he might not be a top-tier talent in the NFL, but if he shows up and shows out every single game, the best ability is reliability and he's always there for you.
0: And next up, we have another player in the same boat as Donovan Smith, agreeing to a 3-year contract extension worth $40 million, a top-tier pass rusher in this generation with the Philadelphia Eagles. They're ha- they're thrilled to keep such a productive player on their roster.
1: Up next, a quick note on Eric Weddle, who was cut by the Ravens, a veteran safety who is very talented, and it will be interesting to see where he ends up. Usually veterans like Weddle don't care as much about the money as they do trying to win the big one. So don't be surprised if Weddle doesn't set the market and decides to play at a discount for a competitor.
0: And now we spend so much time talking about Le'Veon Bell, but there are three more free agent running backs hitting the open market that I think are going to be pretty desirable by NFL teams. That's Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, and Jay Ajayi. In my opinion, I think that Tevin Coleman is the most desirable just because of his combination of skill set, age, and wear and tear. Now, of course, Jay Ajayi, you're really rolling the dice with that one. He's dealt with injuries throughout his entire career. We've seen spurts of him not being productive. I know that Tevin Coleman was not productive in 2018, but we have a much much longer history to look back on of a very productive workload from him. And then Mark Ingram, I mean, he's pretty much anytime he's gotten the opportunity. I know there was a stint earlier in his career when Sean Payton just seemed to hate him, but ever since he's been getting that workload, he's been one of the more reliable running backs in football. So I think he'll find a job fairly quick. Um, I know I've brought up the Ravens earlier for Le'Veon Bell. I think Mark Ingram to the Ravens would be a very interesting fit. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back on the Saints.
1: Up next, of the top five free agent Ed Rushers, Lawrence, Clowney, Flowers, Clark, and Ford, Flowers is the only one who did not get tagged. Some of the names to watch that will rise in the interest because of the tag players above are Ezekiel Ansah, Dante Fowler Jr., Preston Smith, and veterans like Clay Matthews, Terrell Suggs, and Cameron Wake will probably all sign pretty quickly because... There's high demand for pass rushers in today's NFL.
0: Yeah, and there's still plenty of top interior defensive linemen that are going to be hitting the market as well, including Sue Richardson, Wilkerson, and Darius Fillon from the Chargers. He's a sleeper name to keep your eye on as well.
1: There's also a good amount of talent at the linebacker position, inside and out. Jordan Hicks, C.J. Mosley, Denzel Perryman, Quan Alexander, Jake Ryan, Monte Teo, Anthony Barr, K.J. Wright, Thomas Davis, and Michael Kendrick. So there's a ton of talent there. Look at all those guys that have jobs for next season.
0: And now we're going to kind of switch gears here because I'm not very confident in this cornerback free agent class. A couple of promising players and role fillers, but to get a difference maker, teams will have to look toward identifying one in the draft. Quarterback, offensive lineman, wide receiver, and tight end are all positions with
1: similar outlooks. And lastly, because this is more recent news, interesting to see what happens with the Browns and Jamie Collins. Obviously, Jamie Collins was cut. And the Browns free up a ton of cap space, over $80 million for 2019. I believe they are the third highest behind those top two teams, the Jets and the Colts that we talked about earlier who have over $100, 100 million in cap space. And then while Collins is a top-tier linebacker with versatility to fit multiple schemes, he is free to sign wherever he pleases, and I'm sure he will look toward a contender
0: Man, we, we just cooked through those free agents. We went straight volley mode right there, going back and forth real quick. I think we're both very excited to get to the Combine, but before we really dive into the players, just a few notes. Don't make too much out of what's going on. Tape and production at the college level is astronomically more important than these workouts. Every year, an athletic freak emerges at the Combine, and sometimes they go on to have great careers. Other times, they fall into the depths of the league and never rise and be heard from again. Other years, we see ballers come in and people start to raise questions because they don't run as fast as expected or don't lift as much, but at the end of the day, it's what goes on between the sidelines that matters the most. Always keep that in mind and trust your eyes. If you're watching a player on the field, you like what you're seeing and you can tell sometimes if a player is talented or not just by the eye test and also make sure you're doing the eye test for yourself. Anyone can listen to this podcast or read an article online and paint a picture of what someone else sees. But try and see it for yourself if you're really trying to make your own draft board or if for fantasy purposes you are trying to prospect a rookie or anything like that. So make sure you're getting your own opinions on these guys as well.
1: And secondly, because the workouts aren't the most crucial part of the offseason process, some players there is a lot to be gained for at the combine and others there isn't. For example, Kyler Murray. Now I'm aware of the rumors he isn't a motivated leader and his interviews didn't go well. I will refrain from speculating on what I don't know and stick to football-relevant discussion, but in his position as a highly-rated quarterback, maybe the highest-rated quarterback of this draft class, there's more to lose than to gain if he doesn't perform well. And on the flip side of that, the players who maybe come from a D2 school or maybe weren't the most productive in college and maybe didn't play in the Big 10 or the Big 12 or the SEC these guys get an opportunity to really gain more. So that's really what you're looking for. You're looking for guys who you didn't expect to outperform your thought. And simply, the guys that are highest, you're just looking for them to kind of check boxes along the way. And this can kind of hurt them more than it could help those guys because the tape is more important. And if you've seen it in college, that tape is more important. With that being said, let's discuss some of the prospects at each position that either helped or hurt Their draft stock, and we'll start with the guys who helped. Because why not start on a good note? (laughs) Why not be positive? And here are a few guys that nailed this combine. Up first, Nick Bosa. His results run as 4.79 40-yard dash, 29 bench press reps at 225, 33 and a half inch vertical leap, 116 inch broad jump, 7.1 second three cone drill, and 4.14 second. 20 yard shuttle. His 40 is fourth best among all D linemen. His bench, vert, and broad were all still top 10, while his three cone drill was fourth best and his 20 yard shuttle was second best. As the top prospect in this class, there is no stock up for Bosa. But by checking boxes after missing last season and not hurting his draft stock, that should be a win within itself. Others will push for a top spot in the draft. Come draft day, but Bosa is as much of a sure thing as you're going to get and is easily a top five prospect in this draft class.
0: Next up, we have Montez Sweat coming in with a 4.41 40-yard dash, 21 bench reps, 36-inch vertical, 125-inch broad, 7-second cone drill, 4.29 20-yard shuttle, and that 40-yard dash, that's the fastest among edge rushers, and that's faster than Julio Jones, Devin Hester, and Odell Beckham Jr. He had a smooth workout, and although 21 reps is nothing to write home about, with the speed he has to be over 20 reps shows he has complementary strength, enough for his game to flourish at the next level.
1: Up next, Quinton Williams. His results read as 483 40-yard dash, 30.5-inch vertical leap, and 112-inch broad jump. His 40-time is top three fastest 40 times amongst all 300-pound players in the history of the NFL. So Williams was flying at that speed and checks all the boxes from size, speed, and production standpoint. He's a top five talent in this draft, easy, easy. If not number one, and another guy flying at his size. He's a top five talent in this draft, easy, if not the number one.
0: Speaking of another guy flying at his size, someone who stole the entire combine with just a picture showing off his 1.6% body fat. You guys already know who I'm talking about. We have DK Metcalf and his combine results. He had a 4.33 40 yard dash, 27 reps on the bench press. inch vertical, 130 inch broad jump, 7.38 second three cone drill, 4.5 second 20 yard shuttle. He just blew it out of the water. His 40 was tied for second best at the combine, but for his size, it might be the most impressive thing we've seen all weekend his 27 reps were tied for first his vertical was tied for third best his shuttle was tied for fourth best and his three cone drill was tied for third he dominated the workout and checked every box imaginable for sure should be graded out as a top 10 talent in this draft of course he may fall out of the top 10 come draft day just because of the value associated with quarterbacks and pass rushers but a sure home run pick for whoever
1: takes DK yeah and we're not going to talk about the other guy but I'll just mention real quick Nikhil Harry matched See, that 27 he, 27 reps. he didn't run as fast at the same weight though they're same weight and he and he and he ran like a four four or four five which was pretty good yeah so dude i told you about these guys early yeah i told you yeah so
0: put me on to them months back yeah i
1: told you and these are two guys that i'm happy that now they're showing out because both guys i was really excited about moving on to a guy that i am increasingly getting a bigger becoming a bigger fan of cody ford his results will not blow you away 5.21 40 yard dash only 19 bench press reps as an offensive lineman, 28.5 inch vertical, 104 inch broad, jump, 8.27 second three-cone drill, 4.87 second 20-yard shuttle. His combine workouts didn't impress you, like I said, very much at all. None of his numbers were tops at his position, and the 19 bench press reps does hurt him a bit. And maybe it's silly that I'm one of these guys buying into this, but I fell in love with his potential. Young with a very thick and explosive lower body, and his on-field drills were, in my opinion, top of the class. I said earlier how some people will outperform their workout, and I'm expecting Ford to do so.
0: And next up we have Andre Dillard coming in with a 4.96 40-yard dash, 24 bench reps, 29-inch vertical, 118-inch broad jump, 7.44-second cone drill, 4.4-second 20-yard shuttle. It was a great day for Dillard. His 40 was the fourth best and only the top four were under five seconds flat for the offensive lineman. His broad jump was the best on the day for the offensive line. The three-cone drill was second best and the 20-yard shuttle was another best on the day for the position. Dillard then finished up his impressive showing with solid on field drills really just showcasing his mobility and quickness off the snap which projects him to be a successful pass blocker which as was expected but as you were saying earlier it's always nice when a prospect confirms what scouts already believed by the tape he just was checking those boxes all day long
1: up next is daniel jones and his results 8.1 40 yard dash 33 and a half inch vertical 120 inch broad 7 second, 3 cone drill, 4.41 second, 20 yard shuttle. His 40 yard dash was top 10 at the position. His vertical was tied for third best among all quarterbacks. And his broad was tied for first. His his 3 cone drill was second best and his shuttle was still top 10. This means he checks the physical boxes, maybe even a little better than expected. Then when it came to throwing the football, I really liked what I saw especially on the deep ball, with good touch and placement, and I was impressed with his abilities overall all day from start to finish. I think Daniel Jones really, really helped his draft stock. I am now moving him up with Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, and Daniel Jones as a different tier, the top tier in this draft class. I think Drew Locke and the uh, Ryan Finley and the others fall just below these three guys.
0: Next up, we have Rashawn Gary and Devin Bush, two teammates that we knew were workout warriors, so to speak, and they showed it by dominating, both of which had top five performances in the 40, broad and vertical for their positions. They looked smooth and clean in positional drills, but this is what we expected from them. The question marks surrounding these guys were about their experience and knowledge and understanding of the game, which NFL teams caught a glimpse of, but that was behind closed doors. So we'll have to wait and see and Feel out how teams are evaluating these two. But another Michigan man who crushed the combine, I'll let you take this one, Dan,
1: was David Long. His results were a 4.45 5 40-yard dash, 15 bench press reps, 39.5-inch vertical, 120-inch broad, 6.5-second three-cone drill, and 3.97-second 20-yard shuttle. Every year, there are a few Michigan men who show up at the combine and, And don't meet the expectations set forth by their impressive and productive showing throughout their their NCAA season. Mainly because the whole defense is talented and plays less talented teams. Therefore, the production is a little elevated. Long broke that narrative by showing out in the drills, especially the three cone drill and shuttle that proves agility, quickness, and change of direction. Keys for any man. He had the fastest times for th- those three He had the fastest times for those two drills out of all players at all positions, with his college production being so good, only allowing nine catches all season in 2018. Long stock is definitely on the rise.
0: And now I'm going to tackle two more teammates here with Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson coming out of Iowa. I'll start off with Fant and as a smooth and fast route running receiving tight end, played every bit of his role and really helped his draft stock with the fastest 40 time. And for TJ Hawkinson, he really impressed as an inline blocking tight end improved to be smooth and agile while explosive in the blocking and field drills with good understanding of hand placement and blocking techniques. Together these guys were the top two at the tight end position in both vertical and broad jump. as well. As the three cone drill and the 20-yard shuttle, so the duo really dominated the day for tight ends and are proof that there are many roads to the NFL.
1: And the quick recap of our speed champions before we get into those guys who hurt their draft stock at the combine. This last section is just because everyone loves the 40, and the top six guys in the 40-yard dash were the only six under 4.35. If you're under, if you're in 4.3. You're fast, don't get me wrong. But if you're in the lower four threes, you're cooking. You're one of the faster guys in the NFL. So those six guys were Zedric Woods, number one, safety out of Mississippi with a 4.29. Second was Jamal Dean, defensive back out of Auburn, 4.30. Number three was Paris Campbell, wide receiver out of Ohio State with a 4.31. Tied with Paris Cam- Campbell was Andy Isabella, wide receiver, Massachusetts, with a 4.31. Then Miko Hardman, wide receiver out of Georgia, with a 4.33, was tied with DK Metcalf, wide receiver, Mississippi, 4.33. Those were your speed champions of the combine. And with no further delay, we'll get into the few guys that hurt their draft stock this weekend. And that'll wrap up the end of this episode. I'll let you kick it off.
0: Yeah, so we're going to start here with Greg Little, and he had the second worst 40 time amongst offensive linemen with 5.33 seconds, and the third worst vertical jump with 25 inches. Neither are detrimental to an offensive lineman, but it does show some lack of speed to get to the second level or downfield blocks, as well as a lack of explosion. To make matters even worse, his on-field drills were sloppy and unimpressive, and for a tackle who is being seen at the top of this class, this can definitely hurt, especially when compounded with how good some of the other top tackles tested, and how they looked in the on-field drills like Jonah Williams, Jawan Taylor, Andre Dillard, and Cody Ford. This is definitely pushing him down below the top tier of tackles in this draft class.
1: The next disappointment was Elijah Holyfield, a big name. Now for an offensive lineman, the 40 isn't detrimental if you don't impress, but as a running back, it carries a little bit more weight and his 4.78 40-yard dash was disappointing to put kindly. Two punters and a kicker ran faster 40 times than Elijah Holyfield at the combine. And then, when it came to the on field drills, his catching was very spotty, dropping well thrown footballs way too often, making him seem to lack versatility. Forcing scouts to go back and question the initial evaluation that had him at the top of the running back class. Whether it was his big name or production that had him inflated, his draft stock is sure to take a hit after this weekend.
0: Now, next up, we have probably not the most disappointing but probably the workout that stuck out as the worst as a whole for me at least was Caden Smith in all honestly he just didn't look like he belonged there I stated earlier that tight ends have a luxury that some other positions do not you don't have to be able to do it all you can honestly be a one trick pony if you're good at that one trick case in point you need to be good at at least one thing and Smith failed at pretty much everything on field drills did him no favors either in both catching and blocking and he was he was slow and weak with very little to no explosion in his jumps Just like Little, too many other players at Smith's position impressed all weekend, so this hurts his stock significantly.
1: And someone that the scouts are definitely going to go back and watch tape on, but I think will be just fine, is Riley Ridley. He is the least that I'm worried about on this list, because I understand the red flags raised due to his workout. Being under 200 pounds and running 4.58. 40 yard dash is not good. I actually read that no player under 200 pounds over a 455 has been taken in the first 75 picks of an NFL draft. Then jumping only 30 and a half inches in the vertical also didn't help so people will definitely go back and reevaluate Ridley. But with good family ties and a chance to improve his numbers at a big pro day like Georgia's could save Ridley's stock. Not to mention, I do believe he is one of those players who might not work out as well but is a good solid football player and is quicker in and out of his breaks in his routes which makes his on-field game speed look faster than his straight line 40 speed which I am absolutely fine with if that's the case during the game time. This will definitely push him back a round or two in order to limit the risk for the team drafting him.
0: And finally here, we have Trace McSorley, and dominating a drill doesn't usually force a prospect to end up on the hurt list, but in McSorley's case, it I think it does. He had the fastest 40 time of any quarterback with 4.57, which would have put him a little below average speed for a defensive back, so that's definitely impressive, but I'm bringing him up because although Trace was invited as a quarterback, he was also asked to work out with the defensive backs, but declined. I think this decision alone hurts your draft stock because if you're being asked to do defensive Back drills, it means that NFL evaluators are already questioning your abilities as a quarterback at the next level. So, taking any opportunity to break into the NFL would be wise. That being said, if his only interest in football is as a quarterback, then I mean, more more power to him for not folding
1: there. No, you're absolutely right. And I get it. I get that he's been a quarterback. He wants to, but ask Terrell Pryor how that worked out.
0: Yeah, I mean, having a (laughs) a fast quarterback helps, but.
1: Absolutely, but you got to be able to play the position as a whole. And McSorley's a little. He's a tough evaluation because he was very very good early on in Penn State and he actually became less productive as the years went on and that's why evaluators aren't as high as aren't as high on him now but I just think you'd be lucky to be in the NFL or at least be looked at in the NFL in any capacity so I mean listen the way I see it it wouldn't have forced you to be a defensive back at the next position you should have just worked out you should have just worked out seen what you could do that's all the values want to see if you still make it as a quarterback if you make it as a db that's going to be communicated to you before a team takes you so i don't understand why it wouldn't hurt have hurt to work out as a DB, in my opinion.
0: And that's all that we have for you guys on episode 47 of the Football MD Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope we were able to shed some light on the impending free agency signings that we'll be seeing in the next few weeks and shed some light on these incoming rookies coming into the NFL. That's an extremely important thing to keep your eye on just for NFL and NFL fantasy purposes. And we're going to make sure that we continue to bring you guys everything that you need to know as far as the draft and free agency goes. Of course, for the most up-to-date news, follow us on Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And next week, depending on how free agency goes, we'll be hopping back into the Under the Microscope series with wide receivers. Or if there's just a ton of free agency moves and a ton of stuff for us to talk about, then we're going to push it off for another weekend. Make sure we get you guys everything you need to know about those new signings.
1: And lastly, I will be dropping my second mock draft over this weekend written on the footballmdpodcast.com website so go there to check it out and after we wrap up our under the microscope segment with the wide receiver and tight end positions expect us to also be covering that second mock draft in a episode right after that so we'll be getting that to you guys in an episode But you can check it out this weekend on the website at footballmdpodcast.com.
0: And that's it for today's episode, guys. Thank you for tuning in.
1: Until next week, guys.